The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Falling Through the Cracks. Feel alive and thrive with Dr. Rebecca Risk. Do you ever feel that even though nothing seems seriously wrong and you pass all the medical tests, that you still feel that your health, pain, and fatigue are completely out of control? It doesn't have to be that way. Listen to the tips and suggestions given on our program today and take back control of your health. Now, here is Dr. Rebecca Risk. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Falling Through the Cracks. Today, we're talking with Mindy Haber. She is the author of Lyme Rage, and we're uh, discussing that book today. So, Mindy, can you tell me what inspired you to write this book? Happening with my daughter, uh, I might be able to help someone. And um, so that all those papers grew. Um, But what happened as a result of me forming the book, the, the most important message I wanted to uh, get out was that, um, you know, there's hope, that people can get well, and there's hope. And I, you know, I, um, go ahead. Um, that a person can get better. However, each person's experience is not necessarily the same. And uh, we know that the earlier someone gets treated, that usually results in a better outcome. Second to um, wanting people to um, feel hopeful was that I wanted information to get out there about the various symptoms that can occur, in particular the neurological problems that manifest the psychiatric symptoms, manifesting in anxiety, depression, and rage. Well, you know, I, I think that, you know, it's important messages as, as Lyme is, um, you know, not not seen to, to cause a lot of those, and a lot of people do lose hope. Um, before we go into a lot of that, can you just tell me, um, you know, this book is about your, your daughter's illness, and um, can you tell us what she was like before she got sick? Well, um, my daughter Sophie was pretty much almost like any other child um, because she started getting sick at the age of nine. She was happy. She was a friendly child, outgoing. Um, uh, You know, her teachers, she had a good relationship with other children, her teachers. She was always smiling, and um, she didn't have any medical or mental health issues. So, um, can you tell us a little bit about what Lyme disease is? Well, Lyme disease is a bacterial illness caused by a, a spirochetal bacteria and was identified in, as uh, Borrelia burgdorferi um, 
uh, by someone who had um, identified uh, the bacteria. And usually people get it from a tick that has fed off of other um, animals. And the tick is the, the prime transmitter of the bacteria. So had your daughter received a, a tick bite at any point? Yes. She had two tick bites. One a year and a half before she got ill, um, which was discovered in the back of her head by our hairdresser, which I removed, and uh, one a year later on her shoulder, which I removed. And both times I went to the pediatrician to say my daughter had a tick bite. And um, the pediatrician, you know, made me feel like there was really nothing to worry about. At that time, I knew nothing. About Lyme disease, very little, if anything. So, did your daughter's symptoms start right after the tick bite, or did they um, develop no. a little bit later? Later, they developed much later. Yes, so about six months after the second tick bite, she started to get sick a lot, um, coughing, various different things, headaches. I had gone to the emergency room a couple of times. She just started changing, uh, looking pale, not feeling well, um, complaining a lot about various ailments, you know, discomfort in her legs, um, joint um, pain, and um, so there were various things that she was complaining about. We were going back and forth to the doctor, to the emergency room. One of the emergency visits had to do with a headache that wouldn't go away. That was the first time they took a Lyme test, but she did not have a positive test. At that time, I did not know that the Lyme test is not a reliable test. However, doctors do go by that test as opposed to clinical symptoms. So they said she probably didn't have Lyme, um, but had me follow up with the neurologist. So I took her to a pediatric neurologist who believed that her symptoms were related to Lyme, even though she had a negative test. And um, prior to going to that neurologist, she had been put on amoxicillin for something else that the pediatrician um had said there was some kind of unresolved infection. They didn't know what it was. Now, when she went to the neurologist, he kept her on the amoxicillin and said, come back in two weeks. But a few days after that visit, she got up and she said she couldn't walk. So it was very dramatic. She just got up one day and she said, my legs won't move. I can't walk. So we took it to the pediatrician. She was hospitalized for two weeks. And the result of that was we did all these tests, CAT scans and all other tests. There's nothing wrong with her. And said, this is in her head. So they said, sent me, wanted to send me next door to the psychiatric unit and said, um, you know, maybe she can get some more help there or... Um, you know, just get a good psychiatrist and give her physical therapy and she'll walk again. 
So it was very discouraging and, of course, upsetting to hear these things. Um, as I started to read about Lyme disease, I believed that that is what she had based on everything that I had read. And at that time, we're talking about almost seven years ago, there was much, much less information about Lyme disease and the other tick-borne co-infections than there are today. However, I'm not sure that the doctors have come along as far as um, identifying, diagnosing, and treating Lyme disease. So while she was in the hospital, um, I write about this in the story as a miracle because I really feel that it was a miracle. I was having lunch with my other daughter, and um, uh, someone was asking me how my daughter was doing. The person, I guess, next to them overheard the conversation. When she finished eating, she came up to me and said, I'm going to give you the name of this doctor, and he's going to help you. And that is the doctor that did treat my daughter. His name is Dr. Daniel Cameron, and he's in Mount Kisco, New York. And um, But before I got to him, when my daughter came out of the hospital, she had, um, she had the first rage episode that we saw. And she would just, she just went into this, um, it's hard to describe, this outburst of screaming, flailing her arms, running around the house, throwing things, and we had to find a way to get her into the car to get her to the, to the emergency room again. And um, so my husband had to hold on to her in the car so she wouldn't hurt herself while I drove, she was in an out-of-control state. When we got to the hospital, she was screaming, get it out of me, get it out of me, Mommy, please, please get it out of me. I feel this thing inside of me. She just went on and on continuously about this, whatever she felt was inside of her. And she did feel like things were crawling inside of her. But it was very hard for her to talk about it at the time she was just nine turning ten. So she wasn't able to really talk about what was happening because it was so terrifying to experience the changes that were happening to her physically. After that episode um, at the ER where she was given a psychotropic medication to calm her down, again the doctor said this is psychiatric we left the hospital. The next day I called Dr. Daniel Cameron, and we went there that following Monday. That was when she started on um, doxycycline. Now, after 10 weeks of doxycycline, with physical therapy, she started to walk again. That is when I knew that she was going to probably get well. But I didn't know how long it would take or what I would have to do for her to get well. For my daughter, it was the most... For all of us, it was frightening, but for her, it was the most terrifying experience. I remember her first visit at his office, 
She was sitting in a wheelchair, and she was rolling the wheelchair into the wall, telling him that he wasn't going to help her. He was going to be like all the rest of the doctors, that no one could help her. No one was ever going to help her, that she was going to be stuck in the wheelchair forever because no one was able to figure out what was wrong. And... At the time, hearing her say that for me was, of course, as a mother, heartbreaking to hear your daughter um, feeling hopeless about her situation. And, of course, um, you know, 10 weeks later when she started walking again, she also felt like that was a miracle. However... She had um, a variety of symptoms, and the symptoms emerged at different times. So everything didn't happen all at once. You'd, something would get a little better, and then something else would happen, or something else would come out. So sound sensitivity was another issue that she had, um, difficulty with loud noises, um, and a lot of physical pain and fatigue, tremendous fatigue. When she started going back to school, there was the goal to try to get her back to school. She would um, was going half a day. She would come home and she would just lay in bed, not being able to move. She was just so exhausted from... what was happening to her body and this is a common issue and was also the hardest and most difficult um, part to overcome meaning building back up her stamina Um, so um, when she was going back to school what was the response of her classmates while she was there I mean obviously she was different she couldn't walk and that kind of thing well it was interesting Um, I think that um, her classmates uh, presented as very um, empathetic towards her seeing her in the wheelchair um, wanting to be helpful however when she got out of the wheelchair things changed because there were times she would have to put her head down because she couldn't deal with the sound or the noises in the classroom and she would have to lay her head down and the kids, the other kids in the class here you're with a bunch of fifth graders they're asking her, what's wrong Sophie, what's wrong, what's wrong and she had no way of explaining what was happening to her um well, I think that's that's common even for adults. Um, we're going to take a quick break, and we're going to talk about this more when we get back. We're talking today with Mindy Haber. She is the author of Lyme Rage. We're talking about um, her daughter's uh, battle with Lyme disease. We'll be back shortly. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. 
The largest syndicated alternative health talk program has come to the Voice America Network. The Dr. Bob Martin Show is the program that will answer your health questions and help you to heal your own body of many different ailments. Each week, you'll hear the answers that Dr. Bob gives to his callers that help them to be their own doctor most of the time. We'll also discuss developments on the health care front and what you need to do to keep your body in top form. The Dr. Bob Martin Show airs Wednesday mornings at 9 a.m. Eastern, 6 a.m. Pacific on Voice America Health and Wellness. The Voice America Live Events Channel is here now to showcase your corporate, individual, or organization's live event. Visit voiceamerica.com forward slash live events to see all of our past live events and find out more. Whether it's a multi-day conference, special speaker, or single day event, we've got everything to make your event a success. We can do a few hours or a few days. For more information about taking your event to the next level, call Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or email info at voiceamerica.com. Again, that's Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or send us an email to info at voiceamerica.com. Voice America is where you are and where you want to be. Join us around the globe as we broadcast live from some of the most interesting events available. Don't forget to view all our live events, including on-demand access to past events that you may have missed by visiting voiceamerica.com forward slash live events. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. are listening to Falling Through the Cracks with your host, Dr. Rebecca Risk. To reach the program today, please call in to 1-866-472-5792. Again, that's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email directly to Dr. Risk. The email address is anantacalgary at gmail.com. Now, back to Falling Through the Cracks. Feel alive and thrive. Hi, everybody. Welcome back. We're talking today with Mindy Haber. She's the author of Lyme Rage. So, Mindy, when when your daughter was diagnosed with Lyme, you talked before the break a little bit about this, but, um, you know, you had a neurologist see he thought he had Lyme, and then she was hospitalized, and they said it was psychological. What do you think was happening there? Um, I think that the thinking was looking back at it was if you didn't have if you did not have a positive test for Lyme disease the um, then you didn't have Lyme disease and your symptoms even though they could not be attributed to something else um, often they would say um, well it's psychological if they can't explain it or if there's no tests that are showing anything that they can pinpoint and the whole testing process is uh, even today um, anyone you'll speak to who's um, you know been dealing with this will tell you that uh, and the research supports this the current testing protocol is not confirmatory for Lyme disease there are many cases that are missed. Many cases are missed. Are you, are you, are you there, Mindy? Yes, I'm here. Okay. 
Okay. So um, is it, you know, one thing I think is important for us to talk about just so that people understand is how often, you know, Lyme can can be missed because of how inaccurate the testing is. And, uh, you know, in the case of Sophie, um, it, it, seemed, it, it was progressing quite fast. If, you know, two days after somebody says Lyme to you, she's, she's unable to walk, it seemed uh, pretty important that you, you did what you did to get her on the antibiotics and get her treatment. Um, the th- the articles that I have read, some have said um, the test is 60% accurate, some have said 50% accurate, some have said 40% accurate, some say 30% um, uh, do not get um, identified. I think it's really the body's response to um, the antibody response when a bacteria enters your body. I'm not a scientist, but um, from what I read and understand that, again, an antibody test is your body's response. And um, for whatever reason, um, everybody's body responds differently. Also, the criteria... Um, on the Western blot test, which has uh, different bands. There's a criteria of how many bands that need to be positive according to the Centers for Disease Control in the United States that says you do have Lyme disease. And part of that has to do with what an insurance company will pay for your treatment. Now, I paid for treatment out of pocket for my daughter uh, because the doctors that treat outside of the guidelines are, are not involved with the insurance plans. Um, and insurance is not going to pay for anything other than 30 days of antibiotics. My daughter was on antibiotics for three and a half years, oral antibiotics. She could not take the IV antibiotics. She was not on doxycycline the entire time, but for quite a long time she was on doxycycline. She was on clarithromycin and azithromycin for a period of time as well. So it's not just one antibiotic. It is not one method. Um, although I believe that the antibiotics were very important as part of the process, it is not the only, um, uh, antibiotics was not the only treatment method that I utilized. However, um, and being on one antibiotic usually is not the current course of treatment unless you get a tick bite and you go right to the doctor and they go, okay, 30 days of doxycycline will probably have a positive outcome if you get it right away. If you do not, then, um, and you have had Lyme for any length of time, you will probably um, not be on one particular antibiotic more than one most probably, and depending upon um, what else, maybe two or three at different times. Um, and sometimes you reach a plateau where you're not seeing progress. 
I think one of the difficulties is we want immediate results. We want to take a pill. We want to be on 10 days of antibiotics, and we're going to get well. This is an illness that is multisystemic, affects the entire body, and um, affects people in different ways, and it is a long recovery. There is nothing immediate. There are a lot of ups and downs. So you can be on by antibiotics, and you could be doing pretty well, and then something else shows up or something else happens, and you feel like you're starting all over again. You're not really starting all over again. It's just that we are not used to being infected with bacteria that affect our bodies in this way. And so it makes it difficult for us to process and comprehend how to deal with. And I think one of the difficulties in the um, medical community is this denial of Lyme disease, the denial of chronic Lyme disease, the denial of Lyme disease beyond getting a tick bite and getting treated. You're told if you have symptoms beyond 30 days, it's not Lyme disease. And so this is one of the major problems um, that people have, and I think that we have to trust ourselves. If we know something's wrong, we we have to educate ourselves. We have to learn about it, and we have to fight that. So, we what do you? Yeah, what do you think is is um, is happening? I mean, it's it, a lot of people aren't understanding that that Lyme is such a political disease, and and this is what you're touching on, where you know insurance won't cover. Um, you know, more than 30 days, but Sophie was on three and a half years of antibiotics and treatment. Um, and, and how do you think this is affecting people overall that they're not getting treatment? Um, I think it's a tragedy. Um, a tragedy that, I mean, there is a lot of research being done, but there's not enough being done on treatment on making sure people have access to treatment, to make sure that people are being treated as long as they need to be treated to be symptom-free. And that we need to have a more integrated system of care where various practitioners are working together towards the outcome of getting a person well. Each person in the, that's dealing with Lyme is left to themselves to figure out who they're going to see and which doctor and, and, um, and um, not always, in all instances, do the doctors work together. So they're going to various specialists specialists may not be communicating with the primary care and one of the reasons why I think the the issue is political is because in the insurance management of uh, Lyme disease insurance insurance companies operate on a cookie cutter model if you have this illness you're going to get this treatment you're going to be in the hospital these many days and that's it It is not an individualized system of care. 
where your doctor has a relationship with you and says, okay, let's see how you do. Based on how you're doing is how we will tailor the treatment. So when you go to your doctor today, your doctor says, okay, we're going to call your insurance company and see what they're going to pay for. In uh, in Sophie's case, when when you're going about treatment, um, when did you know that um, you needed to add more than the doxycycline? Um, well, one of the issues was this crawling sensation, which um, uh, someone recommended that a vitamin B would help with that, and it actually did help with that. Um, Again, it's a central nervous system attack. The bacteria is attacking the central nervous system. And so that was one thing that helped. So as each of the symptoms, certain symptoms were not um, going away or they were more difficult to deal with, I started to look at other options. And as I read, one of the books that I read, Stephen Harrod Euner's uh, Healing Lyme Naturally, uh, he talked about a Lyme, an herbal Lyme protocol that about a year and a half into her treatment, I added to help her with um, the neurotoxin die-off. When the bacteria dies, it's my understanding that there is a release of neurotoxins and then the body has to get rid of that waste. And And so that's one of the complicated issues about the illness. In addition to the Herxheimer reaction, so that treatment, some treatment makes you feel worse. So how did that um, help Sophie? How did that change how she was feeling? Um, well, I think the herbals helped with, um, helped her, um, with sleeping better and, um, helped her with, um, assisting in her just general, that general malaise on a daily basis. And so sometimes it's hard to see it because symptoms go up and down, but then over time you would look back and you would be able to say, okay, this was happening like every day. Now it's happening three times a week. So it was hard to see it as it was happening, but then you would start to see changes by looking back and saying, this isn't happening every day. But because it's so debilitating, it's very difficult to see progress, and that's what makes the illness very frustrating. I think that um, food and diet was a very important issue in her recovery. I think that she um, there was a lot of work on her eating foods that had more dense nutrition, Um, adding um, some other items, you know, like a vitamin, nutritious um, protein powder um, to her food 
I started making her a smoothie so that she would eat, you know, kale and spinach and other dense, nutritious uh, foods that she wouldn't normally eat. I mean, she was a kid, just like most kids. They want to have pizza, chicken nuggets, things of that sort. And over time, her diet changed. Getting away from sugar was important. Having her understand and learn that food is also medicine. That she needs food to, you know, help her with her brain. She had a lot of brain fog issues. She has um, some cognitive issues. And what she's left with is a cognitive processing delay. And what that means is she needs more time to process information. And that affects her schooling and that also affects her, um, how she processes emotions. So if she gets injured or hurts herself or something emotional is happening, she has a very strong reaction. We, can, we would look at that, the average person would say, oh, she's overreacting to that situation. She's not overreacting in the sense that we would look at a person overreacting. She's reacting because she is unable to process what is happening quick enough to get that perspective to manage it differently. And that's a very difficult issue for many family members dealing with people who have Lyme disease. They have these cognitive issues. They have problems processing information, processing quick enough so that their reactions are very strong. And so we call that, oh, they're all just overreacting to that situation. We're not really understanding it from, from a cognitive processing issue. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, it does make sense. Um, so when um, Sophie is um, having gone through this this journey, I mean, she was nine when this started. How has that affected her to have been sick at such a young age? Well, I think it was um, one of the difficulties is um, the dr- dramatic parts of the illness and the things that happened along the way. She, um, um, it took a long time for her to learn how to cope with um, various things that were happening to her. And she, the, the most difficult part is she doesn't really like talking about it. It's very difficult for her to talk about it, uh, to talk about the illness, what, what it was like, what she went through. It's still frightening. There is a component of post-traumatic stress disorder that people often get, which is the trauma of being ill. So there is a psychological, psychological component to this illness. Many people do become uh, depressed or anxious sometimes from the bacteria, but also because of being ill and what it has taken from them. 
it takes a part of your life from you, years of your life. So in a sense, she missed a whole part of her childhood. Four years from an, for a nine-year-old to like 13, almost 14 years old is a big chunk of your life. Um, we're we're going to take a quick break. We're talking today with Mindy Haber. She is the author of Lyme Rage. We're talking today about her daughter Sophie's journey with Lyme disease. We'll be back shortly. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. Take us on the go. It's even easier now. The Voice America Talk Radio Network has launched our mobile app for iPhone, Android, or BlackBerry. Visit the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market to download the app powered by Aircast. It's free and no registration is necessary. In minutes, you could be enjoying your favorite Voice America Talk Radio host, no matter where you are, in the car, out and about, while traveling, or anytime you can't be close to your computer. Catch up on the archives you've missed or discover new shows on the spot. Search Voice America at your favorite app store. What causes us to be sick? We're not talking about the actual illness or the scientific cause of illnesses. We're talking about your body and health. Listen for the healing whisper of return to peace. Each week, host Dr. Marianne Chase shows you how to listen to your heart to identify poor health, stress, and disease. You'll learn how to heal energetically and spiritually as well as physically. It's time to depend less on the drugs and more on the heart. The Healing Whisper airs live every Friday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific on Voice America Health and Wellness. Follow the Voice America Talk Radio Network on Twitter. We're at Voice America TRN. You'll get the latest fix on what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and general happenings that you should know about at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Now you don't have to miss anything when you're away from your home or office. Just go to twitter.com forward slash Voice America TRN or follow along with us at Voice America TRN, the Voice America Talk Radio Network. We're on the cutting edge of social media. Can you keep up? Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. You are listening to Falling Through the Cracks with your host, Dr. Rebecca Risk. To reach the program today, please call in to 1-866-472-5792. Again, that's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email directly to Dr. Risk. The email address is anantacalgary at gmail.com. Now, back to Falling Through the Cracks. Feel alive and thrive. So, uh, welcome back, everybody. Today we're talking with uh, Mindy Haber. She's the author of Lyme Rage. So, Mindy, when uh, Sophie was going through her illness, how were you feeling about everything? How was that affecting you? Well, um, it was quite scary for me. Um, And uh, one of the things that I had to do that was very difficult in my family was I have two older daughters, and one was in college at the time, and the other daughter was at home in high school. And I had to sit down with my family and have a family meeting, and what I told my family is that this is my job. I have to do everything 
to help Sophie get better. My whole, everything that I do now has to be around her and this illness and doing things and changing things in our house and the way we live in some ways to help her get well. And, of course, it was disruptive because I, um, you know, was the person who came home and made dinner and, you know, took care of the family and in a lot of different ways. And I had to say, well, you're all going to have to do a lot of things for yourself now. And so there was a lot of anger about that because I had to stop doing a lot of things so that I could put all my energy into what I was going to do to help her. And it was a difficult decision to do that, but it was more difficult to have to deal with some of the resistance and anger about why do we have to suffer like this? Why do we have to suffer because she has a problem? So I think um, that was very difficult because um, my husband and my other daughter that was home they wanted to believe that it was all in her head, this was a made-up thing, um, and didn't want to recognize how ill she really was. And so this was a very frustrating issue. Um, Of course, the way in which I handled it was I just made it clear continuously that that was the focus that I needed to take. And either you were on board with me, you were going to help and support that, or I was going to have to do it myself. And um, my husband, unfortunately, was unable to cope. His fear was so much greater. He was really unable to cope with what was happening. It was very difficult. And most people who have read my story can imagine how um, a person can deal with all of that on a continuous basis. And that's what it's like for most families. They are just other families that I've met also um, have the same experience. So that was a very difficult challenge uh, because I had to, um, in some ways, detach from certain things in order to focus on her. And and not only that, um, I was working at the time um, and I was on the computer the rest of the time researching and searching, reading articles, learning everything I possibly could about Lyme disease that I was able to learn because I was always thinking, well, if this didn't work, what was I going to do next? If that didn't work, what was I going to do next? Looking for answers, searching for answers. I mean, today there are more treatments. There are a lot of what we consider um, alternative treatments Um, that are very helpful to people suffering with Lyme disease. However, the longer you go untreated, the greater the likelihood that you could could have um, permanent damage in certain areas. And um, I think um, that's a scary thought. Um, My daughter being one person having this cognitive issue that has not been resolved. However, um, in going through all of those difficulties, um, 
it affected everybody in different ways. And some people have a greater capacity to cope with certain difficulties and challenges in life. And some people um, are not able to do that for whatever reason. Um, I feel very lucky that um, I was able to um, continue fighting for her and with her. And that in spite of this one um, cognitive issue that she is a fighter herself. She's someone who um, fights every day to be, as she says, normal. I just want to be a normal kid, Mom. I just want to be a normal kid. And so she um, currently uh, takes dance. She dances about uh, 10 hours a week after school. She um, also is on the golf team at the high school. And this is the first year that she uh, participated in the dance competition team that you have to audition for. And um, last year, at the end of the year in dance, she got an award at the recital for the most improved artist working dancer. And um, she wants to feel like everybody else, every other kid, and be able to do what everybody else can do. And... I can't blame her for that. And so she struggles. She really struggles to keep up that act. It's it's very difficult to do all of that, come home, have to do homework, keep up her grades. Um, and uh, she has been a very successful student. Uh, she's in... Um, Sophie's in 11th grade. She's younger than her peer. She's in advanced classes, math and science, and um, although it hasn't affected her academic performance, she still has that processing issue, and of course, she doesn't like to utilize her accommodation because, again, she just wants to feel like she's everybody else. Everything is, every limitation is a reminder of what happened. And so there's still a lot of fear associated with what happened. If she injures herself in some way, she's concerned is something worse going to happen. So it's still a long process of feeling confident in yourself, feeling like you're going to be able to be well and stay well. That is a really big concern. Was there a, go ahead go ahead was there a time when um, your family did uh, realize that that Lyme is a component to this and come to accept the journey a little more than in the beginning I think that very slowly I think one of the issues um, when she um, left the hospital and she started walking again after being on the antibiotics. I think that was a, a sign that maybe she's going to get well. Maybe she really does have Lyme from the other people in the household. Um, but I think that the kinds of symptoms that she would have, the kinds of emotional reactions that she had, 
uh, to however she was feeling or any type of fatigue or um, these other strange symptoms that were like a seizure. She could just be more... We could be going somewhere and she could just drop to the floor. And um, these outbursts that were, you know, just kicking and screaming and it could happen at any time. There was a lot of unpredictability to it. So it was like, well, there's hope because now she can walk, but then there's all these other things that you have to deal with. So you feel like there's this mountain you're trying to get over and there's something else that knocks you down. So, um, the, you know, the title of your book is Lyme Rage, and I know uh, part of that is because Sophie had these rage episodes. Does she still experience that on any level? No, she does not. She does not. I think the stamina part of the illness was the hardest to get back, even though she was off antibiotics. <clears throat> she still couldn't do a lot of things that other kids could do. She would go to school every day, and on the weekends, she would just want to lay in bed for most of the weekend. And her dad would say, why can't she be out with friends? Why doesn't she have any friends? Why isn't she going out and doing things? So he still had difficulty with understanding how um, much the fatigue part of it and getting back your stamina um, is. So there were weekends she would just lay in bed all weekend because she was so exhausted. Now the average kid is not doing that. Well, and I, I think the average the average kid doesn't want to do that either. I mean, there um, most anybody who feels good is going to go out and do things, and when you don't feel good, you end up not doing them. Right. If she would get ill or not feel well, she could be out of school for a week not a day or two. It's only this year, almost seven years later, this is this year, that those things have not happened. So even though she was on antibiotics for three and a half years and she was getting better, she was almost symptom-free at that point, still getting back stamina was a very important issue. These things are much longer term. Now, if someone would ask me, what would I say? I'd say she's 95% better. Meaning she can do all the physical things that anyone else can do, the 5% being the cognitive processing part, the trauma of being ill, and still having to deal with that. as part of her uh, continuing recovery. So yes, you may be well to a certain point and not need medication. However, there are so many things, challenges, that still have to be overcome. So if there's anybody listening that wants to um, read your book or find more information, how can they do so? Um, They can look at the... um, the book is sold on Amazon, and they can look at the website, LimeRageBook.com. They can also um, try to friend me on Facebook because I am involved in the Lyme community worldwide. 
And I just wanted to add a, a, a little fact here that um, this weekend at a conference I was at, um, I was informed that there are 80 countries worldwide that have are dealing with Lyme disease. Yeah, that's a that's a pretty big deal for an illness that's not being recognized properly. Right. So um, again, the website is LymeRageBook.com and um, Amazon.com. The book is on there. If you just look up Lyme or Lyme Rage, it will come up with uh, the books that are out there. Again, my message is to give hope to people that you can get well, but to understand that the recovery is a lengthy process. It's a long process. It's not immediate. It has a lot of ups and downs, but not to give up hope and to just keep trying. The same things do not work for every person, but keep trying because there are a lot of good treatments out there. Well, I want to thank you so much for joining me today, Mindy. I think this was a very informative episode for anybody who they or a family member being uh, affected by Lyme. Thank you, Dr. Risk. I appreciate you um, bringing me on to your show. And I want to thank everybody for listening. Tune in uh, next week. This is the first of our shows for Lyme Awareness Month. Next week, we're speaking with Dr. Richard Horowitz. So please tune in to hear that episode and be sure to make today a great day. Thank you for tuning in to this week's edition of Falling Through the Cracks. Feel alive and thrive. Please join Dr. Rebecca Risk again next Monday at noon Eastern Time and 9 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. We'll talk more next week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network. It's staff and management.